Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Hello and welcome into another Red Out Podcast. Uh, my name is Devin and welcome back for another week of the podcast. Joining me tonight is Abby, like all or some Americans who don't have babysitters. Um, Daddy's got Abby at work. So you may hear her talk. You may hear her scream. Uh, I apologize ahead of time. I'll try and catch her with my little mute button here, but I cannot promise it. So if you all will bear with me, I uh, hope that everything will be great tonight and you'll will enjoy the show. Um, this just happens to be one of those weeks that Grandma had knee surgery, so she is unable to watch Abby, and Jared's coming on here in just a second. Um, Hey, hey buddy, can you hear us? Yeah, how's it going? Doing good, and Alex should be up here in just a second. All right, awesome. All right, we got everybody in. Um, Yes, my wife is working. Uh, My mother, Abby's grandma, had knee surgery yesterday. Uh, so she's unable to come up, and my dad's obviously helping take care of her. So we've got a fourth new Red Owl podcast uh, person on the show. She just got done screaming, so we'll see if she's <laughs> doing good. <laughs> so she wasn't she wasn't upset, but she was just like that talk screaming. Yeah, here we go. So <laughs> um, I'll try and be quick on the mute. So if I stop talking just <laughs> mid conversation, that's what's up. Uh, so, <laughs> so I guess uh, winners and losers this week. I guess I'll start off with uh, the obvious one, the first presidential debate. Uh, uh, winners, uh, anybody who was drinking watching the debate, I guess, because it was just a, <laughs> it was just, pardon my French, it was just a shit show. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, my, I don't know if you all will agree with this, but. I feel like, of course, politicians all lie, so it's universal across the board. But I feel like that they should give each candidate a paddle, not like an ore paddle, like you spank somebody with a paddle. And every time they tell they tell a lie, the other candidate gets to spank them. Is that a good idea or not? That's a weird kink, but I mean, well, I mean. Do shot callers. I don't care. I just thought something. I mean, it would be really interesting. By the end of the night, you could be like, you know, Trump was shocked, you know, this many times, and Biden was shocked this many times. So who do you think won? Well, <laughs> America, because we got to watch them both get electrocuted. But um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're okay. old and fragile enough as it is, so just on their own. This America. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be like getting as worked up as. They could be. I mean, it doesn't have to be a fatal dose by any means. I mean, it could just be like, you know, like a 9-volt a battery or something, you know? Oh, just some... oh, yeah. There you go. She agrees, yeah. No. <laughs> She's probably like her mother and doesn't agree. It's fun. Um, so, uh, Alex, do you have any winners and losers? Yes, I do. Can you hear me, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. sound great. Wait, I feel like this uh, headphone is like I, my headphones were actually in. It's just I'm more better at doing it like speakerphone, just because like I have like kind of like a hearing defect as well. So it's like I kind of have to be like, hey, hello, hello. 
right, but uh, my winners are America for two reasons. At some point, we were actually entertained by the debate last night. Yes. And <laughs> baseball, the World Series, the playoffs have started yesterday. So pretty much we got Reds fans. We got Braves fans. We got the long Cardinals fans. So it's great. It's great. And the Cardinals are playing right now, too. They're playing the Padres. I was going to say, a lot of people in this area cheer for the Reds. So, you know, that's that's exciting all on its own. So. It is. It's actually quite funny, but very interesting. Like, I grew up pretty much like two hours away from St. Louis. So it was either the Cardinals or the Cubs or the White Sox. So my uncle pretty much went every year for every single game at Bush Stadium when he lived in St. Louis. So that's automatically how I became a Cards fan and pretty much the rest is history. I can't speak for you, Jared, but as a white guy, I feel like. I was just told you cheer for this team in baseball, and that's how it goes. Is that, See, is that, I mean, that your family, I don't. I do not care about Major League Baseball in this life. I honestly like a Bowling Green Hot Rods fan. I'm Bowling Green Hot Rods are great. Like yes. going to something like that, I think would be more enjoyable. But as far as me actually having a rooting interest in baseball, I mean, I played Pee Wee baseball for three years back in the late '90s, early 2000s, and I was horrible. <laughs> So, I mean, I've just never really been as interested in baseball as, say, basketball I, or football. I, I agree with that. Um, when I was a kid, my dad always cheered for the Yankees. And, of course, growing up, um, I, I cheered for the Yankees. But I had one player in particular I really liked, and that was Derek Jeter. And He was a good guy. Jeter, Jeter was – I mean, he was my – the player I thought all athletes should kind of, you know – mirror I guess or you know look to for you know as an example because I mean you didn't hear of him doing anything off the field you know there was no beating up a girl in an elevator or anything like that you know um so of course when he retired I'm just kind of like nah so I'm I, it, honestly it sounds bad but like I've never been to the Yankee Stadium um and yeah I mean and so I, I, the only major league baseball games I've been to was the Tampa Bay Rays um, when Western played uh, South Florida? I believe that's yeah, it. yeah, that was a good game. I went down there, and a bunch of buddies and I took a taxi over to the Rays, and we sat in the nosebleeds and watched the game. Uh, and then, of course, the other one I watched was Cincinnati when I was a little kid. My parents took myself and a friend to the Reds game. Um, but if I was going to be a fan, I'd probably cheer for Cincinnati because it's actually a feasible trip to make. You know, and that's how it w- that's how it is with like a bunch of like my sports teams. Like, obviously, I'm a Titans fan. Also, the Cardinals, the Predators for hockey, the Grizzlies for basketball. It's just like when other people ask me, like, why are you such a huge fan of like the Titans, for example? Which I mean, depending on the season, it's like. UK's fan base. If they're not good at this, everybody else goes. Yes. And then it comes back when they start winning. But very, very fair weather, yes. Yes. It's just like, I mean, it's a geographical standpoint. Like, I don't feel like or have the dreams or the means, even if I had it beyond my wildest dreams to like drive to Los Angeles and watch the Dodgers play. Like, I'd rather just do it that's no more than two or three hours a trip there and a trip back and then pretty much just something that no matter where I go, just cause like my mileage is 
really low when it comes to places. Like, other than going back to my hometown, I usually go to Nashville or, worst-case scenario, Evansville for something random. So I'd rather have something that's easy to pick up and lets me know, like, hey, I can turn on this radio station and listen to the game there. So Yes, I agree. I mean, and, of course, I haven't cheered for the NBA since I was – probably knee-high to a grasshopper, and that was when Jordan was playing. So, And I just – yeah, she agrees. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, Alex, is that all the uh, winners and losers you have? Yes, I didn't even get to my loser. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. The loser is the – hey, Abby. The (laughs) – The aura that's surrounding the Tennessee Titans right now, I mean, we're 3-0. and Yes, best start since I was a junior in high school. And now, because of the COVID cases, like, if, for those who are just trying to follow along what's going on, the after the Titans-Vikings game, they did, like, some COVID tests, and pretty much there were some positive results coming from the Titans personnel. So it's, like, four players currently, they haven't released – the name of the four-player yet, like last time I checked. And about like three or four team staff tested positive for COVID. So, of course, they're quarantining. Uh, Meanwhile, the Vikings have no positive tests at all. Now, like everything was negative. So that pushed back our game Sunday to at least a Monday night game. And we're doing it with two days of preparation because the team facility in Nashville is still closed till Saturday. Oh, my gosh. So well, it's it's a wreck. Well, I, you mentioned they're three and zero. I will say my Packers are three and zero too. So yes. there we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I could relate to that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, Jared, do you have any winners and losers this week? I will brag on my Dolphins. They are my winner for the week because not only did we win on Thursday night against the Jaguars, which, I mean, a lot of people said it was a horrible matchup for primetime TV, but I was glad to see the Dolphins play. And they actually won. I think it was the first win that Miami has had in at least three seasons that they beat somebody by more than 10 points. So that was a record shattering. (laughs) That was a record that was shattered. So trying, I mean, trying to be nice and positive, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. I mean, they were racking up some points. Fitzpatrick looked pretty good. So I mean, no complaints. I'm just wondering how long it's going to be until Tua makes an appearance. But yeah, I guess she doesn't like the Dolphins either. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it, right? Um, yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> so, do you have anybody else? Um, I mean, for my losers, I mean, Alex already said it, the Titans, with all the COVID cases having to kind of push things back, so that kind of stinks for them, but I mean, they're still having a good year, it'll be interesting to see, I need every team that's undefeated in the NFL to lose at least one game, so the 72 Dolphins will still be the only undefeated team in history, so once that happens, I'll be all right. (laughs) Well, I will go ahead and I'll let you talk about, uh, the cancellation of the basketball tournament in the Cayman Islands. Thank you. And yes. uh, kind of what that means for. Well, I mean, nothing has officially been stated by the university or anything yet, but we're hearing a lot of chatter with Louisville. They're doing a bubble of their own. It's going to be just like a kind of a small tournament that's going to be held there at the Yum Center. I assume that they're going to have some more regional teams. And I'm hearing that we will be a part of that. 
And one uh, the, the day that that report came out, I think it was like the next day is when they fully canceled like the Cayman Island Classic because they were going to relocate it. And then I guess with us pulling out, it may be some other people pulling out to do other things. They just kind of canceled it. So uh, I'm, I'm, there's nothing official yet, but if that's true, I'm really interested to see what the field is going to look like for a uh, more regional tournament at UofL. I do really respect Coach Mack. He was going after Coach Cal and everything, too, because initially they didn't agree upon a date to, for UK and UofL, which is always such a good rivalry game for them to play each other. He called him out on Twitter with the video. It was pretty funny if you all haven't seen it. But it, I'm interested to see how we will fare against some good teams like that. Yeah, me too. Um, of course, I imagine that basketball is probably going to be the same as football this year, and it's going to be, you know – probably what about a month two weeks before the season starts and then it'll be figured out you know well this is what's going to happen you know you know we don't have tv yeah. games decided yet but here we go this is what's the there still isn't a full schedule out for western basketball either and it's literally october tomorrow as we record this so yeah yeah the the episode will air on october 1st so yeah it will be yeah literally how many what is it when do we start in november or are they starting in december Oh, they start like I think it'll be November, like the late November. Just because I'm pulling up an article right now, that says it's about the bubble idea for the NCAA, and it's hoping to start the season in late November, early December. And they went ahead with a vote on September 16th. Of course, I don't have the updated version for that, but that was just a proposal that they were trying to get. So it would be Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving weekend. I was going to say official start for Western, and this is just straight conference play, it looks like, is December 31st. And we play Old Dominion at Norfolk. So I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, of course, there are no – Yeah, I was going to say there are – well, well, we got Rice. But, I mean, other – you know – that's in conference, but other than that, like we don't have anybody out of conference scheduled yet. So we'll see how. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, we'll see how this goes. I don't know. Um, so anyway, like last week, we talked about how uh, Western played against Liberty and how that was a atrocious yeah, garbage fire and horrible news. And we're going to put it behind us and look to the future and see how everything's well, going to I did go. want to say one thing real quick, just for the fact I wasn't on last week, so I wasn't able to gloat. But I did say on this podcast that we would lose to Liberty. While I did not get the score correct, I saw this coming because, I mean, if you look at Malik Willis, what he was doing, it was basically the same thing that Cunningham for Louisville did all over us the entire ballgame. I mean, yeah. he put up good stats. His It's a hard for us to stop a dual-threat quarterback. I'm not really sure why that is. While the quarterback that we have is still threat, hasn't been able to accomplish much, especially passing the ball. Like, I looked at his stats the other day, and I think he's like 28 of 48 with about 310 passing yards and three touchdowns. And that's what Brandon Dowdy would do in like one half. So <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of a hard adjustment for all of us to get used to a running gun kind of quarterback I, I agree, um, and honestly, uh, Cunningham for Louisville is a lot better than Malik uh, Willis in it, uh, for Liberty. Yeah, but it was just—I don't—it I, was just the offense that just threw Western's defense for a loop. I feel like, um, yeah. of course, then they got gassed and were tired because, I mean, they basically had you know almost what four or five hundred yards offense, and 
it was pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, like the <laughs> amount of rushing yards that Western gave up was completely unacceptable. I tweeted that out from the towel rack because it was, and yeah. it was just really bad. Yeah, it, but it, it goes right back to that RPO, and you know the DBs they played better uh, as a unit. Uh, we had a couple, you know, slip ups by individuals, but you know, in the long run, I think they all did fairly well. Um, but it was the offense that kind of let us down. I mean, when you're averaging 155 passing and 114 rushing, you know, I feel like you got to get those numbers up a little bit. I mean, even middle is averaging 211 and 117, but they've played three games. Yeah. Um, Alex, what did, what did you, I think you gave our thoughts last week on Liberty, but let's just kind of recap what you thought. I mean, looking back on the Liberty game, it was in conjunction with the Louisville game. Running gun quarterbacks, very, very talented offensive corps. We did not hold our best end of the bargain in either game, but I felt like each gap improved with how well the defense played in some aspect. With Louisville, it was more of the front set. Well, it was more of the secondary. With uh, <clears throat> Liberty, it was more of the front seven minus the Malik uh, Willis quarterback runs. But going into conference play, it's something that you pretty much have to tighten up. Not only that, the offensive side of the ball, like getting the rushing attack involved, getting Gage Walker some carries, let her do his thing, tone down from the – 30 to 35 plus passing attempts from Piggy every game. So it's like you got to go back to what made that offense pop last year was the conjunction of both offense and defense, especially in conference play. Yeah. And I mean, I, can, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but I think it's just one of those things that once the, uh, the so to speak, cog starts working and the gears aren't grinding, then. I think Western's offense is going to do really well. I think Piggy's got – I think he's very talented. Um, he's not – I don't think he's as fast as Malik Willis or Malik Cunningham, but I think he's more like a uh, like a Cam Newton style, um, kind of scrambling quarterback like that. And, I mean, I think he's – I think he's got a lot of potential. We'll just have to see how everything turns out. But Yeah. One uh, thing worth mentioning is that FIU played Liberty this past weekend and they lost to Liberty as well. So I don't know if that speaks to how good Liberty is or if just Conference USA is that bad. We'll see. I think a lot of this year is because, like, I don't think a lot of teams got a full, you know, training camp. I think there's a lot of things going on in this year that have caused some distractions and, you know, headaches for teams and, you know, ideally like when you're on the road, you're trying to get teams to lock in and focus and yada, yada, yada. But with all the stuff going on in the world, it's, I don't, it's hard. You know, I, I just, I, I don't envy coaches this year yeah. or support staff for that matter. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, uh, looks like um, middle has played army and they lost 42 to nothing. They played Troy for it lost 47 to 14. And they played uh, UTSA, first in-conference opponent this year, and lost 37-35. Um, that's a heartbreaker right there. So I'm just going to say, you know they're coming off. If you they're saw any of the highlights from that game, it was so bad. Well, it was, yeah, okay. So it was, was it last Friday? Is that right? 
Yeah, it's like some okay. really weird. I was going to say it was on the twenty fifth, and I don't think that was. Uh, yeah, that was last Friday. Okay, so they're going to be looking for some little revenge here. Um, Mr. O'Hara is coming back at us. I did not like this kid last year at all. Yeah, he's got potential to be a thorn in our side as yeah. the years go on because I think he's a redshirt sophomore or junior. Yeah, yeah, he's a young kid. He's not a he's not a uh, true upperclassman yet, I don't think. But he's uh, he's leading them in passing yards and rushing yards, uh, 124 yards and a touchdown, uh, 527 yards passing, three TDs, five interceptions. So our secondary can actually shine uh, on Saturday. Sorry, I'm looking at the time here. Uh, they could shine on Saturday. It's going to be on ESPN3. Uh, for those of you who get ESPN3, or uh, just a sneak peek for all our listeners, you can go to uh, the Hilltopper, is it Hilltopper Haven or Hilltopper Vault on YouTube? And you can watch the game for free, uh, probably on Sunday or whenever they get that uploaded there. Um, but let's just keep that between us listeners. Okay. Uh, so that they don't get in trouble or anything. I don't want them to get in trouble and, uh, hopefully, you know, we can keep watching the game because I probably won't be able to watch it because of work. So we'll see how. Yeah. Same. Uh, so Jared, what do you think the uh, biggest, uh, headache will be for the Hilltoppers on Saturday? Just the quarterback, man, O'Hara. He's going to be a handful. I feel like if we can somewhat contain him, and especially his runs, if he's just going to be kind of scrambling and getting all of those little just eat away, like at the line of scrimmage, you get seven oh. yards there, eight oh. yards there, maybe ten yards there. That's we we got to have a good defensive effort because as much as our offense is kind of behind right now, we really need our defense to help them out a little bit. So being able to make plays like that and just keeping the quarterback contained, I think that's going to be really big. But, I mean, just for Western's offense, I really want to see some type of good passing effort from Pigram because I don't know about you all, but if we lose this game, I am smashing the panic button because there is no reason why a team as good as us coming in preseason with all of that we have coming in should be this far behind everybody else in our conference. Like, we have the talent on both ends. I mean, we have a redshirt senior quarterback that's come in. And, I mean, he hasn't completely jailed yet. I mean, I wish he – I hope he throws more in this game because as a quarterback, that's still one of your main responsibilities is distributing the ball, throwing it, because we already had Ja'Core Pearson. I don't know if that's been mentioned. He transferred. So one of the best wide receivers – Where did he end up going? I have no idea, but his name is in the transport transfer portal now, so he's not on the team. So now somebody else is going to have to step up. And I'm sure that part of the frustrations that Pearson had was with Pigram just because he wasn't throwing it as much. And if that's something that doesn't change, especially if, if, if there's not a good passing game on Saturday and we end up losing, I want to see a change of quarterback position from Helton. Or it could end up potentially ruining his career as a coach too. I mean, it's not that we would get rid of him, but that's just going to be kind of a – bad stain because he does have a lot of talented players. You have Thomas, you have Shane Lee, you even have that Grady Robeson from Washington State. Like all those Washington quarterbacks have a cannon on them. So I want to see if Pigram doesn't do good and we lose, I want to see a new quarterback or else it's going to be really bad. Alex. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend we didn't have a season if that happens. Yeah. 
Alex, do you see us uh, maybe in this game or the next splitting the quarterback job if uh, Piggy doesn't start pulling it? I feel like it has to pull on to how much weight Piggy is going to put on. No pun intended. But I feel like if Piggy was to go for like 300 yards and four touchdowns in like maybe a losing shootout effort, then okay, there's a positive there. I wouldn't pull the plug on him then. But if this was like, okay, if he missed like 20 straight incompletions and at least three of them went to interceptions and we lose the game in like an embarrassing fashion, then you would have to consider making change, whether it's to Shanley, Thomas, or Robeson, you would just have to give those other guys a chance and see where it goes because it could be how the offense responds to the guy in charge. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you another question, Alex, because Jared kind of touched on this. Could this be the biggest hero to zero moment for Helton if, you know, say Piggy just kind of drops off? I feel like it would if he's not going to make the quarterback change because coaches can develop the type of scheme and then also just this type of blinding loyalty to a certain player, especially when stats drop off. So it's like I feel like the hero to zero moment will only go if he, let's say, loses like at least seven straight games two of them ending in the most Sanford-esque way possible. So I feel like we've already like built up this rapport with him, and not to mention just the success that we've had last year, going back to a bowl game, winning. Like It's going to take a lot for that to drop down, unless it's like seemingly consistent mistakes back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I agree there. Sorry, I was couldn't reach the mute i'm trying to trying to juggle here like i said i apologize again but it's kind of uh, one of those things you got the wife at work and no babysitter so she's coming on the podcast i'm not gonna make excuses uh but um helton and i mean he's he had an awesome phenomenal year last year and i i don't know how the year would have turned out if uh stephen duncan had stayed at quarterback um, without the injury, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of up in the air. But, I mean, we could have looked down the barrel with this. Um, and, yeah, I agree. Uh, Mr. Hilltopper said that uh, Piggy might not be the best option, and that's true. He may not be. I mean, he's got a great resume, but maybe it's Shanley. Maybe it's Thomas. You know, maybe it's some of the guys from Washington, like uh, Jared was talking about. You just have to – we'll just have to see. And I – Helton has my respect thus far, so far, uh, that I trust, you know, his choice as far as how everything's going to go and who he's going to decide to use as far as that's concerned. You know, he could um, – now, if this was Coach Sanford, I'd be, you know, starting to light my pitchfork. But I think uh, Coach Helton's earned that thus far this season. Um, so – uh, Jared, who do you think is going to stand out on Saturday? Okay. Uh, I mean, the person I want to stand out is D'Angelo Malone. I really want to see him get back on track. I want to see him disrupting plays. I want to see him hopefully getting a few sacks and being able to disrupt Middle's offense because 
I mean, if you leave it in the secondary's hands, then that's where I get a little concerned. So the more that defense in front can kind of hold together, and with the linebackers too especially, just being able to have somebody be a spy on Hera and just kind of make sure he's not running all over the place. At least have somebody that's designated to make sure he's not going to run every single play and just kind of keep eyes on him. I think that's going to be important. So, I mean, Malone, I want to see – honestly, I think Western should just run the ball more, just straight up. Let Walker get some more runs, let Staples, let Whittington. I don't care who it is. I mean, just kind of give Pigram a little bit of a load, too. Like, he's good as a runner. And, I mean, even if it doesn't work out to where he can be quarterback, if I was Coach Helton, I'd use him for some Wildcat stuff just because. I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, you have someone that's really talented like that. But I don't know. I mean, I just want to see some type of offensive continuity. If we can't score – more than 28 points or 21 points against MTSU, then that's going to be really sad because you're reading off the scores that they've had so far. Other than – well, I mean, they gave up 40-something to Army, 40-something to Troy, and then almost 40-something to UTSA. So their defense is supposed to be pretty bad, at least just looking from the – Well, well, let let me tell you, this is kind of funny stat here I'm looking at. MTSU had 563 yards against UTSA, and they oh still lost God. by two. But they See, had two. If they're putting up, if they're putting up those kind of numbers against us, then I'm going to be really, really, really concerned. I I would agree. I would be very concerned too because it's um, that that's when I start asking. You know, what or what Clayton White is actually doing, um, but you know. Of course, middle had, you know, 35 minutes of possession. UTSA just kind of, uh, you know, did the old paperclip off, uh, defense that Sanford used to like and just bent, but they didn't break. Uh, so, I mean, they just locked them out of the end zone, obviously. And, of course, on it, the funny thing is, is middle scored the, uh, the final touchdown of the game with a minute four to go, and obviously they didn't get the onside kickback. Um, but <laughs> I don't eat the paper. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, Alex, who, who's your standout on Saturday? <clears throat> I think it's going to be Tinsley or Burt Jr. being the standouts, of course, on offense. Just next man up, they're going to have to step up in the absence of Pearson and Sloan to be the guys to catch the ball. Um, defense, I think it's going to be an Antoine Kincaid game for sure. I definitely agree with that. I I think I think Antoine Kincaid, uh, Eli Brown, D'Angelo Malone, I think all three of those defensive players have the potential to be uh, standouts on Saturday. But um, and offensively, I think Gage Walker's got a chance. Um, I think Piggy. I think this is Piggy's game to step up and actually, you know, make a difference. Um, I, I, th- I really think they can do this. Um, I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer or negative Nancy here, but the uh, the box the score for um, the score has changed to a minus seven from last week. I think it was like a ten or twelve or fourteen, uh, but it's still twenty nine to twenty two. Uh, Jared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I, 
The fact that we're only like a seven point favorite against Spittle is pretty bad because, I mean, like I said, the expectations were extremely high for us this season coming in. And I mean, I know that COVID has ruined the off season in so many different ways. I mean, basically all of spring camp was canceled. Of course, just weird practices the way that they have it now. So, but I mean, still, I got to see some more passing before I will be. If we win this game and Pilgrim looks good, then that's great. And even if he's struggling really bad and helped to make the change and maybe someone else comes in and does a pretty decent job, that's great too. I also want to see Josh Simon be active more because if they aren't going to be thrown to him, I would hate to see him transfer because someone's got to carry on the lineage of tight end you. I mean, all the great tight ends that we've had come through. I want to be. I want to see Josh Simon be that guy again for Western. So keep the just feed him the ball. Just throw him the ball. He will do good things. I really hope he can get more involved. But just in general, uh, I'm just frustrated. Sorry about Alex, that. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Alex, what do you think, buddy? <laughs> um, what was the question? I'm trying to go back. No. Yeah, Abby's got. It was talking about like just the score, I guess. Like it says that uh, we're seven point favorite. I feel like we're gonna pull ahead for sure. It'll be a twenty-eight to fourteen affair in our favor. I just feel like the offense is gonna start off slow, but the defense will be definitely the anchor, and then the second half will be very exciting. Uh, so. Jared, do you have a score prediction? Okay. Uh, see, I'm more nervous to do it now that I'm 2-0 so far. I mean, <laughs> the, the football nihilist in me wants me to say that middle will win this game, but, I mean, it is 100 miles of hate week because, I mean, that's still – we hate middle. That is something I will always stand on, hating Murfreesboro in general, just 100 miles of hate, the, t- the beauties – Backfit in Nashville. Backfit in Nashville, always. So, I mean, I think that we have a shot. I think it's going to be sort of like a UTSA middle game that they kind of had recently. I think it might be – if our offense is looking good, then it will be in the mid-30s. If it's not, it might be in the 20s or so. But I think that we might win by a field goal or so. And also, I'm still shook that Munson's not technically our field goal kicker anymore. It's Norvidson. I agree. Guys, that kind of that kind of shook yeah, but I mean, I chose that Hilton is open to having competition. So this is a game that we have to win. We have to win this game. I will say 28 to 25 because that's just a weird score and it feels right for this type of game. And at least one overtime. At least one. It has to happen. You think it's an overtime game? Okay. Um, it has been traditionally. Yes, I agree. I will say 35-28. So we'll see. Um, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's not an overtime game though. I'm gonna say it's 35-28. Western wins in uh, spectacular defensive fashion. So yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm being the optimist. I'm not gonna be the realist here. And yes, uh, I mean. <sighs> It sounds bad, but I think the first time I remember the MTSU, um, thanks, thanks, Mr. Hilltopper. He says, "Big D coming through." Um, 
I think the first time I remember Western playing MTSU was in 08, and that was mm-hmm. 07 or 08, and that was our transition years. And we beat uh, middle uh, – Bobby Rainey ran in the last score, and Western won in overtime. Uh, rushing the field and all that was great. But I think we're going to win this year too. Um, I think this is the game that that uh, Helton turns it around, I'm hoping. so. Here's my question, though. I already mentioned it, but if we lose this game, are you pressing the panic button? Honestly, no. Why do you say that? Because we've made molehills, like, I don't know what the saying is. It's like inhales mowers or something. It's like, we're going to be a team that's going to struggle, obviously, due to getting our gears back in order from the shortened preseason. It's going to take a lot of time. Sorry, lost my train of thought. Trying to get myself back in order. Uh, (laughs) Squirrel. No, um, Jared, you. Do you yeah. think the fan base will move on, though? Oh, yeah. If we can't beat MTSU, then that's something that basically everyone is going to lose interest of. Um, Alex, do you think the – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Do you think the fan base will move on? I feel like if this was like a situation to where we're going to lose three or four straight, then yes. Middle is going to plummet, but it's not going to go downhill until – we lose to Marshall. I'm willing to give it that far. See, I'm I'm kind of one of those though. I think if we're zero and three and Middle beats us, I think a big chunk of the fan base is going to go because it's one of those things that it's like, well, you know the you know we can't get as many people in the stadium. Why am I even going to go? And then you know some other so, you know I mean, and that's a good thing in a way because other people can go, but it's just. I don't know. I just I feel like 0-3, they're going to start moving on. And I think – I won't say Helton's on the hot seat because I think that will come later in the season if that if we're still, you know, 0-and-whatever. If we're, we're under 500. Over. Yeah. Yeah, if we go under 500 this season after the expectations that we had coming in, I mean, I would be disappointed. Just for <laughs> yeah, the got- fact that, I mean, we, we saw how fast everything turned around with him under his first year. And, I mean, yeah. it happens. Yeah, I so agree. Yeah. We'll see. Um, homecoming is against Marshall, and that is actually next. The yeah, it's next week. Uh, so <laughs> that's my thing. I said we would be oh and whatever, and Helton would be on the hot seat when we played Marshall because I thought it was later in the season. But um, I mean, maybe not. I mean, I guess maybe against if we played FAU, if they're not under COVID quarantine at that point. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Who knows? Uh, but. I'm not going to say he's on the hot seat yet. I, th- I think he's got a lot. I think he's earned enough cred so far to, uh, to. It just it sucks not getting those first initial games because when you go so long without winning, especially like October, and then even worse than that, if it's if you aren't winning, I mean, people start to worry. But if you even if we get that initial win, that's why winning a season opener is so important. Which I mean, we were. Not that bad against Louisville. I wish things were a little. I wish it was flipped to where we had uh, Liberty and then maybe Louisville. We would have been more prepared for what they were kind of throwing at us. But, I wish we yeah. played. I wish we played uh, BYU, where we played Louisville and Louisville. You know, at that slot in the schedule, that would that would be a lot better. I. Th- mm-hmm. And I mean, who knows? By the time we go to Provo, I mean, we could be looking a lot better. So I hope so. 
Sorry, she's talking a lot. I'm trying to make sure I'm muting it uh, so it's not too bad for our listeners. Alex, uh, how do you see the rest of the season work out as far as uh, hot? At worst case scenario, I feel like we'll finish out four and eight with not four. And eight. Yeah, we do have yeah, twelve games, so it's four and eight. Honestly, no, we have eleven. Yeah, it's games. eleven. Eleven. I forgot. I keep forgetting we don't have a twelve game. But yeah, it's um, old Dominion. Like the over under for wins. Worst case scenario, it'll be four to five wins. But. Uh, best case scenario is we can go six and five. It'll just take some gutsy performances, some much needed uh, depth chart shakeups, and a stroke of genius. So did um, did Marshall um, did Marshall lose their top twenty five? Or I want to say so, just for the fact that the Big Ten is coming back and a bunch of other conferences as well. Yeah, I was gonna say because they're not—they're no longer ranked, and I think they were—were they twenty-fifth last week or something? Yeah, twenty-third or something. I mean, it was one of those things that I'm not gonna hold my breath for because it's Marshall and they're hot garbage anyway. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, she's playing with my phone right now. So this is this is great. Um, Yeah, so we're probably taking pictures of God knows what and all that good stuff, but. <laughs> uh, who on the schedule are you all worried about, Jared? I'll go to you first. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Until uh, okay. we win a game, I will be concerned, just because that's kind of how I am. But I mean, the BYU game, I think, is one that would be really tough for us because I mean, they look really solid. I mean, BYU will be tough, of course. I want to see how we do against Willie Taggart and FAU. I mean, that is if they ever pass the COVID test, like for negative. But, uh, those, I mean, of course, Marshall. I mean, I would love to see us beat them. But, I mean, we still got so many kinks we got to work out before we get to that point. I mean, they were nationally ranked when all these other conferences weren't playing. And, of course, now they've dropped out now that the Big Ten will be coming back soon. And the SEC is playing again. So, I, I don't know. I mean, we have to be middle before I get a really good sense of what this team is going to be like. That's kind of my bar. Is if we be middle, it's good. If we don't be middle, then that's bad. Actually, I was going to go back real quick. Uh, welcome, Ross. Um, hey guys, what do you think is hey. the middle game? I'll get uh, it's well, hey, it's a must win. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been distracted by other sports, namely the Reds breaking my heart today. But. Um, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I feel like those opening losses in the bye week, like the airs, all the buzz and air have been out, let out of the window with WKU football. And the way you win that back is you beat your rival, and then you come back the next week and you beat your other rival. So, you there? <laughs> it sounds like someone's in the car. Um, <laughs> it's a great show tonight, Ross. I know you, you, you may have been listening. Uh, We've got an extra guest on the show, Abby, who's doing. <laughs> you really do be like that sometimes. Yes. Ross, you back? I don't know. I like probably was. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so um, I was going to go ahead and give my prediction. I think best case we can. I, 
I mean, kind of like, um, God, yeah, I can hear you, buddy. Okay, I don't know what happened there. So no, it's fine. Um, what is uh, who are your key players to watch for on Saturday, and who on offense? Um, well, I know I, we still haven't got a response back from Hunter Miles. I hate yet, but. I would say for sure the number one is obviously Asher O'Hara. I think uh, he kind of speaks for himself. And, um, you know, he's he is not nearly as good as he was last year, but that doesn't mean he's not a threat. I mean, I think if you look at the UTSA game, he played a lot better. Uh, he's he's actually passing for a higher percentage of yard, like completion percentage, so – Hello. Sorry, I'm still here. I was just on mute for a second. Oh. Uh, but Ross, who is your uh, who uh, on on Western's team? Who are you watching? You know, is well, obviously number one, it's Piggy. Um, you guys can hear me, right? I'm just double checking. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm driving to Costco. I don't know what the heck the deal is. Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, Piggy, obviously, to see if he's grown. And then it's really the receivers. You know, you want to see if Tinsley and Burt are the real deal because you obviously lost uh, Pearson. And you want to see if you can finally get the running game going against a pathetic defense that at least middle has. Like, if, if Gage Walker doesn't get going this game, I don't know if he will get going this year. So, yeah. Agreed. I agree. <laughs> so, Devin, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Um, so I would. We're talking about Gage getting into the game. I think Gage is a big component for us, and with having a little bit bigger uh, running back uh, pool, he's going to be a lot better because he's going to have a lot more rest. Of course, I don't know if you knew this or not. I don't know if you knew this or not, Ross, but. Middle had 560-something yards against UTSA on Saturday. Or last Friday, I'm sorry. Yeah, I knew they, they had their best game. And, you know, by the S&P Plus ratings, like, I think their win expectancy was, like, like 90% or something. Like, they, I mean, they only lost by two. They knocked out UTSA's quarterback. And UTSA is kind of like a kind of a fake 3-0. and Like, they haven't beat anybody, like – so, or yeah, so I mean, that's a little pause for, for concern where you know they have some momentum, you know, they didn't win, but you know, if, if Western comes out flat again, middle it builds off that performance, that's something you could be worried about. I think that is something else, like you were just saying. I think Western will come out a little more pumped for this game than they did last because last game, I really think they came out and they thought Liberty was just going to lay down for them. Um, where this no. game, I think it's just it's a completely different. Uh, it's a different mindset because it is a rivalry week. Well, and their backs are against the wall. It's if they don't if they don't win this week, then you know you're staring down a really bad start because you've got Marshall, you've got UAB. I think after that is that is that uh, after UAB is that when they play? Who do they play after that? Is that when they play BYU? Uh, they play Chattanooga and then BYU. Yeah, so you could be like going in the if you don't beat middle and you don't get some momentum, you could easily be staring, you know, one and six down, and you know, heading to BYU. So 
Yeah, it could be. This could be rough. So this is this on, is the game to get right. So it's helping on the hot seat in your one and six scenario. No. <laughs> Uh, I'm just trying to gauge everybody's thus far. No, I mean, I think everybody's disappointed, I, but there's really no shame in losing to Louisville. And Liberty, Liberty's a little bit sad, but, I mean, you know, Hugh Freeze is a hell of a coach. It's not Maine. Yeah, it's not Maine. I mean, it's, you know, if you look at Liberty, they're going to be like a team where they're on the schedule in a few years again. Like, they could be a consistently good program. They have, like, all this uh, evangelical church money and a lot of big boosters behind them. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to be a – you know, that's that was a bad loss because we weren't expecting it. I don't think it's because they were – they're a bad team or anything. No, I, yeah, I agree. Um, Liberty was – I think they're a lot better team than we thought, except for Jared, who was completely on board with Liberty. Um, but um, – Maybe it's the Baptist in me. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. So uh, – Ross, let me get your thoughts on if Western – let's say Western loses this game. When we go into Marshall, is Piggy going to be splitting reps or is he going to be still going strong as the uh, starting quarterback? If they lose the middle, then you, you've got to try something else. I think, you know, this week he's – you know, he showed a little bit – he showed improvement against Liberty. He can – you can say, okay, he, he had decent numbers, like – now you got to build upon that. I think I saw the article that uh, they posted in the Bowling Green Daily News. Their goal was to start Soren's thirty points plus per game. Well, you better show it against this UT or against this middle team. That I mean, look, what did they lose to Army by? What did they lose to? Who did they put Troy by? Troy looked like crap against BYU. What did they lose to UT or what did they lose to UTSA? They gave up like forty points in each game, if not more. You've got to put up points this week. And if not, then yes, against Marshall, you put in Kavars Thomas, you put in Davis Sheen, you put in whoever, because Piggy's not taking you anywhere. Yeah, I agree. I think it's. I think at that point, it's time to make sausage. Yeah. But, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> you it's, time to pull, it's time to pull the pork. Exactly. Uh, but. Well, <laughs> Pretty windy, good. Good. <laughs> I said it's pretty windy, isn't it? Uh, walking through Costco, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're really loud. <laughs> yeah. so, yes. I'm here, Pepper. All right. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So yeah, we talking. are so we are so organized. Oh, this is. Oh, I knew I knew this was gonna go off the rails. I'm sorry, but as soon as I knew Abby was gonna be watching her. I knew everything was going to go, and then, you know, it just adds up. So, um, uh, so oh, if this season goes down the drain, do we just talk chalk it up to 2020? I'm just going to say we didn't have a season if this goes horrible. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend like it never happened and be like, oh, man, I hate it we couldn't have football because of COVID. If people are like, oh, really? And it's like, yes, we didn't play yeah. I think it, I think you chalk it up to that and the fact that you know you can't live and die by a grad transfer quarterback. You've got to you've got to have some continuity and you know right or wrong, uh, you know it's only held second year, but he's got to develop some quarterbacks on his own instead of trying to live and die with you know a, a lottery ticket each year. I mean last year it worked out with Story, but 
if they fail this season, it's because he took a chance on on a on Piggy instead of developing his own guys. Well, and that's my thing too. Is is uh, is it where Piggy came from? If, since he came from a Maryland instead of like an SEC school. I mean, uh, I, I mean, if you look down the NFL rosters, I don't think it's you know Alabama doesn't have a million quarterbacks littering the league. I think. You know, you go by quality, but if you looked at the numbers and the film on Piggy at Maryland, he had a lot of holes in his game. While Story probably had a little bit more potential. So I think you just got to be, you know, a little bit more selective and a little bit. If you're going to take a chance on that, you you make it a competition like you did with Story instead of handing somebody the job. I agree, and that's I think that's that's kind of what I touched on a little bit earlier was with. Um, uh, sorry, with uh, if Stephen Duncan had finished out the season last year, you know, um, uh, if St- Stephen Duncan had finished out the rest of that first season, how would things have changed? You know, you know how you know how would we have finished out that season if Ty Story never played? You know, and I mean, we could be staring down that barrel right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. We could know, have a quarterback back for a senior year where you're feeling good about it too. It just you know you can't completely live in what is, but yeah. Well, I got a question for you, uh, Mr. Hilltopper's throwing one out. Is is Helton or uh, Brian Helton uh, actually Ellis. not Helton Ellis? I'm sorry. <laughs> not that I'm distracted right now by anything, mm-hmm. but um, are are they throw first co- coaches? Or are they? They're not air raid coaches by any means, but are they throw first? What do you think? I'll let them go, I'll let them go first. Uh, Jared, what do yeah, you think? I mean, just looking at what they did when they were at Western, I mean, we were throw first with Dowdy and everything. So, I mean, I think that they would kind of come from a little bit of that background. I mean, you can kind of see how Hilton did things at UT with the guys that they had. But, I mean – it's just really hard to say. I mean, last year, I mean, it's not like we were throwing a whole lot with Story. He was just more of your kind of management guy. He was able to just control the line of scrimmage the way that he needed to. I mean, he wasn't racking up big stats like Dowdy would in like four or 500 yards per game or anything. But I, I don't know if it's just because that he may not feel as comfortable with the guys that he has right now to throw first and to be kind of more like an air raid offense. So, I mean, he knows that running is one of Piggy's strengths, so he wants to try to incorporate that into the offense, which I do commend him for that. But at the same time, we're going to have to throw the ball more or else we're just going to be completely one-dimensional on offense and people are just going to expect him to run every single play and expect him to make some pass if we want any chance to move the ball. I kind of I agree with you, Jared. I don't want to cut you off, but I feel like Ty was more of a uh, – not to use this analogy, but – more of a uh, Alex Smith style quarterback, yeah. You know, I mean, he was good, but he wasn't like spectacular. You know, I mean, it wasn't like he could take over and just do it all by himself. Yeah. Um, Alex, what do you think? Is coach a throw first, or he? How? What do you think his style is? I guess it really. I thought it was depending on during the game, but it's more of like a balanced style. Offense, it's like you're gonna pass and then you're gonna run some. So I felt like the scheme hasn't changed one bit. It's just more balanced. Ross, what's your thoughts? 
I think they want to be pass first, but they don't have the weapons to do that right now. So they go with what the strength is, kind of like what Jared said. Like, Piggy's a better runner, so you're going to do that. But I think their track record, and if you look at last season wore on, they figured out Lucky Jackson took that step. They definitely want to be more uh, more pass-heavy if they can. And I think if they can develop the passing game with Simon and Burt and Tinsley and some of these young guys that haven't really merged yet, I think as the season goes on and they figure out how to use Peggy more, they're going to even pass more. And then hopefully that opens up the run game for somebody like um, Gage Walker. See, I feel like – I think Piggy is getting a lot more opportunities to throw, but he's not taking them, whether that's a, you know, not – maybe a little lacking in trust from the O-line. Um, but I do feel like, you know, that pocket starts to condense a little bit, and he's already got his head on the swivel to run. You want to hear I, a good stat? Sure, go for it. Uh, Pagram has never thrown an interception in his career with WKU. No interceptions. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, it was like that stat they shared. Like, your is your it was Fox Sports. Is your uh, quarterback throwing four touchdowns with no interceptions? And it's like, like every Western fan was like, "Cool," but we still don't like Pigram right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it'll be better if we were two and zero right now instead of zero and two. If we were yeah, two and zero sure. right now, I I've, MTSU would be an afterthought in my mind. Um, I mean, I mean, look, you're going against Liberty, which was a really good team, and Louisville. So that's just my thoughts. Yeah, even if we were one on one right now, everyone said, "Okay, you lost to Louisville, but we're we're still happy." It's just the fact how they came out last week or the week before, and just the fact that you know the strength of the team hasn't shown this year. I think you know I I really harped on it last week. It's a if you're a defensive first team, you shouldn't keep getting dashed by the same play over and over again. Uh, Ross, I don't know if I've gotten your prediction. What do you think the score is going to be on Saturday? I'm going to go 27-24 Western. Yes. Yeah, okay, so I got 35. I got 35-28. Jared, you said what now? I said 28-25 uh, to 25 Western in overtime. It has to in be overtime. at least one overtime. Uh, Alex. Did I get your numbers down? What did you say, buddy? It would. I'm going with Western 28, MTSU 14. Nice. So two like scores. That. Yeah, that's pretty good. Abby doesn't yeah. agree, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, she's She'll eating learn. a piece of paper right now, which is she's probably eating our score predictions. Yeah, uh, Mr. Hilltopper's giving us 21-14. Uh, so that's great. Um, Way to go, Brett. Check out um, the West, the the game will be on ESPN three. Um, like I said, if you don't have ESPN three, you can catch it on YouTube probably the next day. Yeah, our guy at Hilltopper Ball, Jeff Schreiner, posts every game right as it's done. So oh, right as it's done. Okay, that's even better. Uh, usually like a couple hours. Yeah, the same day. So so you can watch that on uh, probably like nine o'clock. 10 o'clock, or even the next day. <laughs> if you don't have an NFL team playing, you can watch the Western game. Oh, excuse me, I just caught a piece of lint Ugh, right in the throat. <laughs> uh, I don't know of the site. Uh, it's his and- YouTube account. Yeah. Uh, I wish Hilltop I knew it off the top of my head. 
Bill Tupperholt. Something like that. Yeah. It used I'll, to be I'll, Jeff Schreiner. Yeah, it's if you go to if you go to the Tower Rack, you go to the WKU video archives. I've got every Western game ever listed, and it's ninety five percent of him. So if you do that, and then you follow the YouTube account, you'll be good. Yeah, I, he he's had games on there from like the twenties and thirties. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, he just posted, to, I just uploaded the UAB game. Yeah, today from like the eighty one. It was an NCAA tournament game. Yeah. I mean, those are just those just blow me away to see some of like the '40s and the '50s and stuff. Uh, well, it's kind of cool to remind Western fans that like they do have a pretty good long history in in both of the major sports and women's basketball. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Um, so that's all I've got tonight, guys. I am I am grateful for you all being patient with the uh, the great uh, show that we had and all the great interruptions and everything. But uh, if you would just follow the Tower Rack, they'll have articles coming out. Um, you've got one from uh, Ross. Hundred Miles of Hate, the Q and A coming out. Yeah, yeah. We talked to the Hundred Miles of Hate guys, and uh, I'm sure Alex is doing his pro tops, and Jared's doing everything else. Um, but if you would just follow them, and we'll try and keep the content coming out. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Abby's talking for us too tonight. Uh, but as always, guys, go tops. Go tops. Go tops.